1: Welcome to Security Insecure. This is the podcast where I say it's okay to not be okay. I'm Johnny Seafoot, and every week I'm joined by one very special guest. guest today helps us celebrate the end of married at first sight uk and the class of 2022 as the show comes to an end this evening if you're listening on monday age 26 the businesswoman entered the married at first sight experiment halfway through and has had such an impact on the series that we basically just can't imagine her not being there with conversations around body image in the middle of the series everyone had a chance to reflect to who they really are in society she was my favorite on the show and i know she was yours as well And so I had to get Hansa Kuniska, so I'm delighted to welcome to end the series, Sophie Brown. Hello, Sophie.
2: Hi, what an intro. Gosh, how can I follow that? Thanks, Johnny. I'm super excited to speak to you.
1: Well, my absolute pleasure. And you are. And it it must have been really hard for you to come halfway through the series, but also have such an impact because it's been really the Thomas show the whole time, hasn't it? (laughs)
2: You know, I think huge part is made into a little part, the coming in late thing. That is such a big thing. And I think it was brushed over a bit. But for, for me personally, and the others that went in late, it was, a, it was a huge, huge thing. And it was like coming into friendship, people in relationships. It was hard. Um, and all the drama that went with it. Obviously, yeah, we had Thomas. And, you know, he absolutely loved being at the epitome of, of everything. So,
1: And also, you had the cameras. You know, the other cast had got time to get used to the cameras, to get used to being mic'd up, to get used to the commitments ceremonies and those dinner parties and the way they go whereas to come in fresh face and everyone's settled in their roles and they know how it's going to work from a production point of view must be really hard as well to go well hold on it what's everyone doing and why is everyone acting this way like i don't uh, surely this is just supposed to be a dinner party that me and jonathan are just attending
2: yeah honestly and it was funny because our first commitment ceremony this is the thing we had no idea you know what the protocol was or how things worked and we we were, when we went into that commitment ceremony they called us up first we were literally that wasn't edited we were on that couch first and we thought bloody how could you not have let us uh, <laughs> you know see how it goes first
1: so now the show is basically over we've got the reunion to go how are you and jonathan finding this new way of life Are you on speaking terms still
2: yeah absolutely it's a huge thing to go through with someone no matter what the outcome is it is absolutely huge it is a massive part of your life that you've been through and not only did it happen you know a while ago it's now being relived and it's be- being relived live with an audience that are watching it thinking it's Happening, you know, right now, so you know, it's great to be able to speak to one another, support one another, you know, talk about the funny times, the not so good times. Um, and it's good that we have that
1: relationship. And you're right, it's that reliving now because you and Jonathan know what had happened, but you've distanced yourself, you've moved on with life, and then kind of when you're reliving it on Twitter, it's almost like that PTSD that you're being traumatized and taken back to a time that yes, there were a lot of happy times. But there were also a lot of sad times, you know, he made comments about body image and that kind of defined him and then therefore defined your relationship as a whole and the roles and the characters you played on the show.
2: Well, exactly that. And I feel like we dealt with it at the time. And also, we we got through that at the time. Those comments were made and the arguments happened and whatever. But we got through it. We moved forward. But obviously, when you watch it back, there's obviously, you know, there's a storyline that they follow. And and, and when you watch it, you kind of see what they want to portray. So obviously, the comments and things like that, they happened once. And then they happened again. (laughs) And then it went on for, you know, over a week. And then to watch that unfold at social media i mean if i went back in time and someone asked oh you know what do you think you might be known for on the show or what do you think might be the outcome or whatever i'd never think that this massive body image conversation or people commenting about me or my weight or anything like that would have been a part of it
1: if people are listening now and they're thinking right how do i remember sophie going forward what would you want to be remembered for
2: Oh, I like that question. Do you know, to be fair, the whole kind of career thing and the kind of uh, the ambition and the that drive and kind of being a woman in tech and things like that, I do I do like that, you know, although it's been pushed quite hard, I, I kind of like that because I've had so much support in the way of other young women getting into business or, you know, people looking up to me. And, and that part of it, I mean, I couldn't have asked for more in that way. And I would love to be able to help more people. So I think that that... Um, You know, being a voice and just being a a, a normal, straight up woman that's like relatable and just, you know, someone that can be like, oh, I, you know, I like her and I like that she does that and I could learn from her. That would be incredible. So,
1: But is there room for that? Because we obviously sit with The Apprentice with people like Sean Gabadon, et cetera, who have gone on The Apprentice, Mm. they've won it. They've then been these female business entrepreneurs. But do you reckon you'll be accepted for that when you've done a show like Mad at First Sight, which is more about your love life and less about you as a career woman because I know that when you went in it was all about the career but at the end of the day same as Love Island you're only really known for one thing and it's not like yes that's fine I've been in business and it's kind of forgotten about it's like Yeah, but hold on a minute, you're in a relationship and you're on TV kissing.
2: Do you know, that was one of the big decisions going into it. It was like, how will this impact my life? Um, And will it allow me to continue to do the things that I want to do and be that ambitious person and have those goals? And ultimately, you know, I went straight back to work. I, I went straight back into my role. I even got promoted and carried that on. I still work full time now. It hasn't impacted that, which was hugely important to me. And I would like to think that the way that I acted throughout was just, Number one, it was myself. That's, you know, who I am. It would have been nice to see probably more fun bits from me. But how I handle things is is mostly how I handle them in real life. But equally, I don't feel like I necessarily did too much to you know sort of damage my reputation and i feel like you know yes okay there's kissing and you might talk about sex here and there but ultimately that is also normal life i mean who doesn't speak about those things and yes it's on national television but i don't think i pushed that that too far because it's just not the type of person i necessarily
1: am so when you've been working all the way through how have you found it when you've been signing off emails sophie brown and then people have been replying to you in a business context and they're going well. Is that Sophie Brown from Married at First Sight? Can I ask you a quick question about the show? Like, have you been able to be taken seriously in your role since the show has been going out?
2: Do you know? It, 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 yes, I have been taken seriously, but there have been moments. I mean, I did the you know an expo where I, I was on the stand for my business, and quite a lot of people came up and took pictures. And there really is that blurred line because I've tried really hard to keep it separate. But obviously, I mean, you know, my face is on television. I'm acutely aware that people are going to know who I am, and it's like. I'm dealing with that at the moment. That is actually something that I'm trying to navigate. And it is difficult in some senses, but I'm very lucky the place that I work are very accommodating. And I know that I can do my job and I know I can do it to a high level. So whether people notice me or want to ask me questions and things like that, I can hopefully navigate that and just still live life as normal and just carry on doing what I'm doing.
1: So with the platform you've now got though, do you want to have that media profile? Obviously you've got people wanting you for advice and that's mm-hmm. great and everything. You know, you've got that platform on Instagram, for example, but do you want that media presence now where you go on to the next show, be it celebs go dating or another reality show. Are you like, this was for love. This is why I've done it. And we'll talk about your intention to the show and go back in a sec. Are you like, that was that. This is this. I'm a businesswoman again. First and foremost, I'm back to the day job and I'm carrying on with life and I don't actually want to be in that media world
2: tough one. Uh, I don't think you know how you're going to feel about it until you come out the other side. Like, I never anticipated having sort of this big of a platform and, you know, the positive response that i've had and i would love to use that in a hugely positive way but right now yeah i'm back to my day job that's my passion that's what i'm doing it's like it's hard to kind of say whether i would or wouldn't do these things my goal wasn't to go on this and then to do this tv program and then to do this tv program you know whatever people want to do that that's absolutely fine but everybody's different and everyone's on a different path
1: well exactly and show like mad at first sight the beauty of it is is that you can go on the show as a result of going do you know i really want to find love, and i'm just not finding it so i'm gonna apply same as big Mm. brother of oh yeah i just want to go on for fun because i want to see what it's like i've always loved the show and then you have got the shows like love island and what Married at first sight's kind of turned into a bit of celebrity dating as well of it's a platform to then get to the next show and we've we've seen some people be really successful at it and others who haven't so let's talk intentions Mm. what were your intentions of going on that show and let's talk about the application and go back to there
2: so this is interesting so i applied for last but now knowing when they film and all of that they would have already i think picked that cast it would have been a bit far down the line i then got approached on instagram in october last year I wasn't sure if it was random or whether it's because they already had my details, obviously, from applying. And then it carried on from there. So it was literally, I mean, this process is no joke. It is so many phone calls, psychologist conversations. You know, you're speaking to relationship advisors and you're doing all these questionnaires. I mean, they ask you everything. And I went in person. I did that. It was like singles day, casting day. You meet the producers. And this that, that was my life from October till, gosh, when did I find out? It was about... I don't know february march time or something but you have no idea up to that point and you just go along with the process It's a really long-winded process and it takes over your life like there's certain things that i didn't pursue like job wise and things like that because i thought is this going to happen or not and you do kind of put your life on hold but intentions going in were literally i was like do you know what i don't put myself out there that much i'm quite like if someone gives me something back i'm all in and i was like if they get this right with the match it will be it'll be fireworks like this will be it i was like i'll have kids with this person so i was like you know what this could be a really good way of doing it and i also thought you know once in a lifetime experience and i do i I mean on that wedding day on that morning i was like this is this is it this is the love of my life i was so in it that it was like i was projecting it to happen
1: because it's supposed to be i know obviously and for those that don't know it's not legally binding but essentially this is your wedding day you're wearing that white wedding dress that you've always dreamed of wearing so in the lead up to that wedding and you knew obviously you didn't know who the person was but you knew it was going to be happening there was going to be a wedding did you have a hen do Mm -hmm. first and did you have that build up to it with your friends
2: there were a lot of things that i did that i probably would have done if it was you know my wedding in in real life i asked my bridesmaids to be my bridesmaids you know i gave them cute little personalized cards and asked them and I made a thing of that and then I did and um, yeah I did a Hindu, did it in Cheltenham I told everyone it was my birthday because everyone was like oh what are you celebrating why are you in a white dress and I was like oh it's my birthday so there were so many things that were like done in the run-up that would be for a normal wedding and I was very lucky to have the support of my family like my dad especially he walked me down that aisle you know his emotions were as true as if it were the real wedding day it was you know I had the support around it I had the dress try on and everything like that is crazy it is literally like a real marriage as real as it can be but without you know putting the signature at the bottom of the page
1: and then you go through married life and you go on your honeymoon and at the beginning you and jonathan really just seemed to click you just thought they're two good looking people it just works this is what we want whilst matt and Gemma are having chaos on the other side of the other new couple that had come in where did it go wrong
2: that honeymoon was incredible we had such a good time and like i feel like we were really attracted to each other and you could see that like watching it back it took me right back to that moment and it, and it was like that and it's like that real excitement of just getting to know someone and you're like exploring it you know emotionally and like sexually and, and everything it's it, it's a really fun thing and i think when you move, you move in together it literally does launch you into a married life i've never lived with a guy before so that was a first for me so once you kind of are out of that honeymoon, <laughs> that honeymoon period, and you move in, your guard comes down and you start to kind of be yourself more. You show yourself for like who you are. And I think it was navigating that and then it was meeting the bloody rest of the group. I think that's what probably started to do it for us because it was those external opinions that really, really get in your head.
1: Well, and also when it's someone like Thomas telling you what Jonathan has said four weeks ago and he's still repeating it, it's very hard not to get it out your head.
2: Oh, exactly. This is the thing, right? You know, and this this is the point. It's like dealing with it and then you deal with it again and you deal with it again. I've never known, you know, in a normal relationship, you don't have to kind of deal with these things. You deal with it once and then you might speak to your gal pals. You might put it on the group chat. You might send them a voice note and have it out with them there. um, And then you move on from it. In this environment, you turn up at a dinner party. Everybody's heard whispers of comments that were made or something. And then it all hashes out again. So it's, it's, it's a crazy kind of way of doing things and it can it's a bit make or break because those things can help make you stronger but then equally it can take you right back and you think what am i doing like how am i letting this happen
1: and is that because people care did thomas generally come out of it from a place of love or was it that the producers were saying right you need to talk about this again because and i you know we know how tv works producers don't tell you what to say they don't script it but here's an idea thomas why don't you ask sophie about this because it's not been mentioned before secretly it has already but you know <laughs> let's put it up because at the end of the day, they're making a tv show and then we'll talk how that then affects the mental health on that trajectory
2: yeah i mean the thing is like you said it's not scripted but obviously there are moments where they might come in and say oh can you touch on that again or could you bring this up and that kind of thing um i think though because with with thomas obviously he was there for that dinner party and that the, the i'm talking about the dinner with me that's where things kind of that's where it was taken from. Just with Jonathan and I, between him and I, that's where it was then taken into a group scenario, an open scenario, and then it was then brought to the wider group. So I think because Thomas was there from the beginning, I think he just perhaps kind of felt strongly about that or, yeah, you know, it got rehashed a few times by different people.
1: And we saw you get quite emotional there. What was it like filming that, though? Because there's the moment of having the dinner party and that being said, but... It's not just the four of you. You've got a whole camera crew around you, producers, directors as well. And so suddenly you take a step back and you go, this is real life. This isn't just a TV show and there's other people watching this. Now, what did that do to you mentally?
2: Yeah, see that, it's really difficult because... I did go in there just wanting to to give it my all and like you know I I was really liking this guy and I wanted it to work so there were a lot of things where you've got like a whole camera crew in there and you're having conversations and you're kind of thinking like it's so difficult because it's not just you two there's other people there and it's kind of like that feeling of what are their thoughts like what do they think about this it's just between the two of you it's very impactful it's different than any you know conversation you would have in real life and I guess you worry as well about what other people's opinions are and it's really really taxing like having these conversations on camera and everything it's really difficult sometimes you just want to move on from it and then it's it's brought back up and then you have to do it again um and you don't really get the it's hard you don't really get the chance to kind of like sit and reflect on things about how you genuinely feel because you do a day's filming and then you go to bed and then you wake up and you kind of do it all again so it's like in real life you wouldn't spend 24 hours a day with someone. You would probably, you know, especially when you first meet them, you might see them once a week or twice a week. And it's it's pushed together so much that, like, I don't think you have the time or the headspace to reflect on things. It's not until afterwards or watching it back that I think a lot of that happens.
1: So the question is, really, how much did it feel like you had that home from home feeling, you know, in that flat? Did it feel like your flat with Jonathan or did it feel like a TV set? Because like you said, you were not really able to switch off from it.
2: I think the good thing is that the cameras aren't there 24 7, so obviously Love Island, they're there all the time. But with us, it was like you're filming at, at X time and. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless
0: dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, Hello Fresh is your guilt free
2: dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh will be done perhaps at this time and whatever you do get evenings to yourself occasionally but yeah i mean it definitely felt like i think we were like a a bit of an old married couple we kind of jumped forward to that stage of like we lived together really well and we we got on really well so when it was just him and i we would we would yeah we'd have a good time like our apartment was you know a safe space and we also him and i especially at the beginning i think because we came in late and we didn't really know anyone we spent a lot of time together have your phones and everything obviously you can watch TV. But there's only so much TV you can watch. Jonathan bought loads of paint, so he did loads of painting. That was something that he he got really invested in. I tried it once, wasn't as good as I hoped I'd be, and gave that up immediately. So that was that. (laughs) What about food
1: shopping then? If you were living together, did you do food shops then, like an old married couple?
2: it was only a little one but we used to go and do shops there so we'd um so the first meal that we had together he cooked me a lasagna and that was like our second <laughs> night together and then i think the, the night after that i did like a pasta bake or something and then i think we kind of gave up on the cooking we got a lot of takeaways when you finish filming late you're like oh, I really can't be bothered to cook like there's no way so you just have a glass of wine we drank a lot of wine and got takeaways
1: so did you get a budget for the takeaways and a budget for the tesco shop or was that all you know i.e the cameras have stopped rolling now this is just your time to actually just get on with it as couples as you were to so i'll pay for this i'll pay for that or did that all get covered
2: yeah well so you get a budget daily for your food and you can use that however you want so like you can you can let it accumulate and then you can obviously spend it on a food shop so you can buy yeah any any alcohol you want whether groceries you want or you can like treat yourself to a takeaway but you can also use obviously like your own money as well so you would treat each other and do things like that or do nice things for each other and also it was like navigating as a couple because we had no bloody space to put any clothes so like we bought i bought like another rail and he bought one and it was like navigating that of like oh that person like buys that or pays for that and then like next time you pay for that so it was like yeah it was it was like it would be normally but yeah you get a a budget and i think everyone spent it differently some people more on alcohol probably so you get breakfast lunch and dinner and then they just pay you that directly on on a card if you're filming that day then you don't get your you don't get your budget basically so they'll feed you the catering wasn't that great (laughs) sometimes we had to spend extra money but it's not the same i guess well we weren't allowed to like take each other out you know like out the apartments if we were then i'm sure we would have taken each other on dates but you're not really allowed to do that
1: talking about the catering amy christophers who was on last year's series came on my podcast a couple of weeks ago you can check it out now in the in the library and she spoke about that catering that it was horrific What was your experience like?
2: So, I'll start with the best meals. The best meals were the dinner parties, but the problem was they were good quality, but they were usually stone cold because Mm. who knows how long you're going to take to film. I don't know what time that food arrives but it's definitely not warm when we sit down. So it tastes good but yeah it's definitely cold and that's the best food that you get because obviously that's on camera. The rest of the food is like, problem is it's the waiting around. So like I remember there was one day it was like fish and chips and it was in like these plastic containers. There was like condensation on the top like it had gone soggy. It's just the fact you have to wait around for it. I got on with it to an extent but I feel like especially on the treat. We had a really bad first meal and I mean some of the guys and I totally get it like they usually eat a lot more food they're working out all the time they might be keeping to more of a diet plan they really didn't like it so it was mm, it it wasn't great.
1: And obviously working in TV and you're doing that rating around it's have some haribo sweets. Have some extra haribo that will keep you going. And suddenly you go do you know how much sugar I've eaten today? I need an apple, Ooh. I need a salad.
2: Right. This is the other thing. Like I went into this like I'd been, like, working on myself. I was, like, hitting the gym almost every day. I'd been, like, on quite a strict diet, like, eating really good food. I went in there, and literally, the catering was just awful. The snacks, yes, hit, have a Kit Kat. I, was, like, I don't want a bloody Kit Kat. I want something that's held up. Have a pack of cheese and onion walkers crisps. I was like, oh do have anything, you know, anything slightly healthy. I put on loads of weight in there. I think other people have said the same because you are not exercising in the same way you would at all. Like, there's a gym, but it's just a room that they created into a gym. It's not what you'd normally have. And then, yeah, the snacks are just them trying to fuel you with sugar, I think.
1: <laughs> How much weight do you think you put on?
2: I don't know. Maybe stone or just maybe a bit under that. Around that, though, it's quite, quite a lot. To so then put the weight on and then come out the other side and kind of know that those few weeks at the end as well, everything is being filmed, so it's funny. I I do, when I watch it back, I mean, my final date, I was like, oh, he look cute, but like, oh my God, my face is looking looking real chubby there. Like, I definitely kind of noticed it myself. And then when I came out of it, Obviously, it was a, a massive mix of emotions. Like There were a lot of things that were said throughout the process that were associated with weight. So I just felt like I had this like impending thing of like, there's been comments about it, I've put weight on, like I'm not exercising like I used to. It was It was really hard for me to make the transition like back to just like living my life normally. It took a long time to kind of feel myself again. And I got back in the gym, like I got my PT back and everything and I like lost that weight again. But it was like, it was really hard. And like my press pictures, for example, A lot of people had theirs done before, but obviously because we went in late, we had ours after. So every time I look at them, and I get comments under it as well. I get comments all the time about how big my thighs are and stuff like that. And I'm like, gosh, it's a a tough world out there. Seeing random people talk about you online, it's, it's a really weird concept. And... I do try and stay away from it. Twitter can be a good place when you're getting positive feedback, but when you're getting negative feedback, it's horrific. And even if you're getting loads of positive, you see one negative, and that's the one that sticks out. And I think for me, obviously, with a conversation being around body image and weight and things like that, a lot of the comments were around that. And I did not sort of prepare myself, as those beforehand, that that was going to be the case. Because like I said, I didn't sort of going into it think that that would be my narrative, I guess, or story.
1: Well, exactly, and also, not to talk about your weight personally, but talking about personalities, you know, if you're doing a TV show, you're doing a job. So although you're there to find love, that's kind of the secondary to the fact you're doing a job. You know, you're being paid to appear on TV, you've got producers around you who are kind of telling you how to act. You have a role to play on the show. You had your role. Every single cast member had their role on the show, and so it's really hard because you're like, you don't really know what's going on behind the scenes. You're only just seeing what you're told to see. Mm -hmm
2: yeah you also um also just on the on the paid thing I mean, I don't know if anyone else got paid, I only got lots of earnings, which wasn't. It doesn't equate to what my wage was, so it's more just like covering your fundamentally like your bills and things like that. So it wasn't necessarily being paid. uh, Maybe other people were, but (laughs) I wasn't. But also, I feel like it's interesting because the whole kind of like what your role is. It's only watching it back that I really realised that. Like I think I was just very naive going into it. I think you only really know what your role is until you know when you watch it back, because that's ultimately when it's been edited and when those have kind of been picked, I guess, and it becomes a lot more clear and a lot more. Yes.
1: oh it is so fun! i did a show years ago and it was a cooking show i used to go to celebrities houses and eat dinner and have to guess who the celebrity is it's called who's Doing the dishes and on youtube there's so many clips that they've used of me and it's all clickbait and it's like johnny's done this and johnny's done that and i thought but when i did that and you said to me tell me everything you know about there's one about tell me everything you know about colleen nolan and the nolans and so i started listening to it i didn't think that was going to become that video and it was like johnny you had a uh, crush on michelle heaton didn't you oh yeah yeah i did i've always loved michelle heaton click and you're like oh i'm all clickbait i didn't realize that so you're right until it's edited mm. and they take it out of context you're like ah that's the role i'm now doing the crazy fanatic celebrity stalker
2: <laughs> yeah I- I- exactly and also it's funny because you don't really think about it that much at the time. Like you just said, like there were certain conversations where they'd want us to touch on certain things or sort of repeat certain conversations. And then when I watch it back, I think, oh my goodness, it's because you literally wanted to just use that bit. And at the time, you don't think that at all. But maybe that's because I've not done TV before. Like if I was to do it again, I would have so much more awareness a lot of what people say online i get it all the time i get it commented on my pictures was i thought you were a stuck-up snob at the beginning i thought you were a dally's girl and i thought you were posh and 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 looked down on people and all of this because of the wedding day but i really like you now but i can see how genuine you are blah 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 blah. and it's lovely to get that positive feedback but the fact that it starts with that the beginning is it is upsetting and it is hard because the wedding day for the people there was perfect you know looking back on that day it was honestly stunning day both families got on incredibly well him and I got on so well we were talking about so many different things and then watching it back I just couldn't believe that it looked as awkward as it did. The fact that they only picked bits that perhaps I don't know, it definitely made me look a certain type of way. I mean I, I can kind of laugh about it now, but it was it was really, really difficult at the time. It was it was awful. But my backstory, for example, obviously at the beginning I was like, yes, you know, they're pushing my career and my work and I love that. You know, that's great. But that was taken to the extreme as well and it was all about money and how much I spend. And it's like those were the questions that they asked me and they wanted, you know, specific answers to. Whereas all of the vulnerabilities like you know the reason i'm on the show or like previous relationships or things that had happened to me in the past none of that was used like i said before like i wouldn't like my myself if i watched it you know i get it but i think people saw the real me from there but that that was really hard and i do think that that was a big misrepresentation massively at the beginning
1: let's talk about mental health because you've been diagnosed with adhd and you've being public about it and it's something we didn't get to see on the show but it's so important that we do talk about because we know that people being diagnosed with ADHD are getting more and more and more and we've always been told it's hard to be diagnosed with ADHD as an adult you have to kind of be seen of that as a child but now a lot of adults are getting diagnosed with it, and especially since lockdowns and COVID happened it's just really spun out of nowhere really where did your diagnosis come from how old were you and what was that process like?
2: Yeah, so I mean, it is it is really interesting, because I wouldn't necessarily say that I massively showed it as a child. But I also think that ADHD as a child is like that massively hyperactive causes loads of disruption. And that's kind of what it's seen as. But essentially, it was you mentioned lockdown there, but it was right at the beginning of lockdown, I had to change from working in the office to working from home. Um, I literally had a desk in my front room like in my flat, you know, where I was living, and then I was working there. And I found it so difficult I was like how do people sit here and work for eight nine hours a day there's just there's just no way like the distractions not being able to complete tasks like the way i was working was just not it was just not not it i was really struggling and so i spoke to my doctor and we had a conversation around sort of adhd i'd been told a couple of times funnily enough that by people that had it um, and it came from a place of love it wasn't anything negative i didn't mind people saying it but they would say gosh you know I, i think you have adhd or signs of it and in women especially it can be harder to spot so I went through the process of that, through my GP, got a referral, and it was honestly, it was while I was on maths, I hardly had my phone, but I checked my phone one time, I had a bloody voicemail from um, it was Manchester Mental Health Unit, and I would got to the top of the list over two years later, so it really does take a considerable amount of time. And then I, and I, yeah, I went and had my assessment, and then I had another one, and then I was diagnosed with, with mixed ADHD, which, yeah, especially as an adult and in women, because they mask it a great deal it can be really really difficult to spot
1: so what were the signs for you what were the signs that you thought Do you know what I need to actually go and see a doctor about this this is probably not right
2: lack of focus and and, and my distraction is just I can be so easily distracted Doing tasks can be really difficult for me. I will jump from thing to thing to thing. And I do it on my phone as well. I'm sure a lot of people relate to this. But it's like you go on to do something and literally an hour and a half later, I then remember what I was supposed to be doing because I get so distracted. Um, My attention and my focus, um, I lose focus really easily. Like if I'm watching a film, I'm always checking how long is left of the film or I'll start something, I'll get bored immediately, I'll turn it off brain fog is a big one as well and sort of disassociation like along with that so I can kind of zone out for long periods of time a lot of people said to me oh they're kind of shocked by the diagnosis like i have family members and they were like oh, are you sure about that and i was like yeah it's an internal battle it really is and everybody has it in kind of like a different way which is really interesting because it's not just like that hyperactivity thing but i suffer from quite quite a lot of things but a lot of it is like a mental battle for me
1: it's so interesting because there's so many things i'm like yeah 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 <laughs> especially with TikTok. i'll you i'll go to do something and i'll be watching TikTok and i'll go right i need to go and do this and then i'll forget and i have to scroll back the tiktoks because obviously it goes in a certain order and i'll go back like seven videos and be like oh yeah i know what i need to do i know exactly what i need to do so um it's one of those things and i've said this before i'm sure i've got adhd i've just not had that diagnosis and i'm i don't really know why i would get that diagnosis so the fact that you've done is number one amazing but number two what have you done with that label now now that you know for yourself you've got it how's that changed your life and your outlook on life
2: yeah so for Personally, I think obviously the, the referral went in and I and I was hoping to get a response from it sooner than I did because obviously the point of me doing it was that I was really sort of struggling and I wanted to see if I could get any sort of assistance or or what the process was following getting a diagnosis. I just wanted to know whether I had it. Like I had had people before saying it and I just wanted to see if there was a way to, to help myself basically. But I didn't see anything sort of negative about that I'm aware that for some people they get told that and it really does sort of change their life or it does negatively impact you know it is ultimately you're being diagnosed with something but I think for me it was more like oh it answered a lot of the questions that I had it was like right okay so I do have this you know disorder um, and moving forward you know I want to learn about this 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 or perhaps I'm going to speak to other people that are in a similar position. And it is so common in adults. I mean, I put out some information about it and so many people came back like, oh my goodness, I think that I have it. And I feel like a lot of adults resonate with a lot of the sort of symptoms i guess with adhd but it's not to say that you know people necessarily have it you have to have it to quite an extreme extent like for me it is it's a massively frustrating thing but yeah i mean i did it to get the diagnosis but i waited a blooming long time to do that and yeah i'm still learning that's the thing i'm like experimenting with medication and also you know just finding out more information
1: Sophie, we could talk for hours and i think we might have to talk for hours another time not on here if you love married at first sight pj finch from this series has been on it amy christopher's from last series has been on it and paul c brunson the god has been on secure the insecure in the past go and check them out in the live the final episodes air this week on e4 and all 4 of married at first sight and then it's done for another couple of months australia will be back Probably March, April time next year on E4 and all four, but go dating is around the corner, and I'm so excited for that as well. And if you've loved Mad at First Sight and you loved listening to Sophie, do go and give a five star rating on Spotify and on iTunes. It's a five star rating and a review. Remember, it's, it's we say here on Security and security, it's okay to not be okay. So share your thoughts, and then on Instagram at Security and security Podcast at Johnny Seifert is where you can find me. Thank you so much for listening. I've been Johnny Seifert until next time. Thank you and goodbye. <music>